0: From an air duct in Nakatomi Plaza, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two men who know what a TV dinner feels like, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. You gotta love those Nakatomi Plaza references. Uh, Corey, who, uh, to whom do we owe that one? That was written by and sort of with Eric Altieri. Eric Altieri, you leave the names to us. There we go. Wait, so how do I sound? We got some complaints. Yeah, I know. We had some complaints and uh, modulation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort this. Out. I'm not an engineer, you know. I wing it here. I wing it. If, I'm, if, I, if I get anything even remotely resembling audio, I'm a happy camper.
1: Well, can you hear me and you at the same time? I can. So how do I sound? You sound fine. That's fine.
0: Yes. So there you go. We'll so master this. Out. We will. We it will. may take us 20 years, but we'll master it.
1: You know what else I've mastered? The art of the food I'm going to give you this week.
0: Uh-huh. Should You're I good. be scared? Huh? Really?
1: Do you, wanna, do you want to – okay, do you want to – okay, here's the thing. You talk about some crap no one okay. cares about, and I'm going to give – first I'll show you it, and then I will cut you off a slice of it. Okay. Okay.
0: I'll do the kid I'm on, vid.
1: I'm, I'm leaving now.
0: You do that. I'm going to the refrigerator. I'll do the kid vid. All right. So, of course, as everyone knows, I have a toddler. I have a daughter who amazingly is now two and a half years old and uh, still not into Dora, and uh, that is intentional. So uh with that I'm just going to dismiss a couple of these things Dora's double length adventures. This is uh these are both from Nickelodeon and the double length adventures are basically just three uh double length mini movies and then the six bonus adventures. Not a big deal. Uh, Fairy Tale Adventure, Dance of the Rescue Pirate Adventure. It's it's the young Dora that with the Bob that everybody's come accustomed to. Come on. Old, oh my gosh. Really? I made that. For me? Oh, no. oh Okay, <laughs> well, we're going to. <laughs> all right. <laughs> it looks good, right? It does, yeah. What is it, Wade? It's a cake. It's like a red velvet cake.
1: It's a four-layer red velvet cake. That's
0: pretty nice. I'm going
1: to take a picture of this cake all right. while you're talking about KidVid.
0: All right. Well, anyway.
1: And then I'll post it to the Facebook page.
0: Uh, Dora, The older Dora with the longer hair, who's starting to look a little bit adolescent and pubescent and all that, is Dora and Friends Doggy Day. Uh, you can also get this in Spanish and in French. And, uh, you know, Dora's getting older. I uh, get some bonus episodes on here, but uh, it still kind of creeps me out that Dora's getting older. I don't, I'm not sure I'm down with that yet.
1: Wait, smile for the camera. Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. All right, it's going on Facebook.
0: Uh, there we go. And then uh, Sesame Street. Ca- Sesame Street. Not Street.
1: Would you like a piece of this?
0: Yes. Hell please. yeah, right? Hell yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sesame Street. Count on Elmo. Uh, you know, this is all number stuff. It's, it's Elmo doing his usual deal, but you also get the count, and that means numbers. And you know. I'm
1: really proud of myself. Look, 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 Wade, look at that cake.
0: I know. Look at it's it. nice. It's like a cake. It is. It's a freaking real cake. So, you know, Elmo counting. It's a, it's a deal. My, my daughter loves it. She loves Elmo, and she likes the count, too. It's very strange. Anyway, uh, Looney Tunes, Rabbits Run. This is an original new Looney Tunes movie done in that whole Tiny Tunes style that it was the, sort of the moment where they reinvented Looney Tunes. So it's a little bit of the old, a little bit of the new. Uh, you get some bonus cartoons on here, but um, which are fine. They, they're like bonus original uh, Looney Tunes cartoons. But uh, I'll tell you, the uh, as far as this whole feature-length thing, it ain't bad, really. Um, it's not like original Looney Tunes, but it's not bad. It's okay. And well, uh, the that. the voice characterizations are are solid, and Mel Blanc know. would be proud. It's beautiful. It's a
1: red velvet cake with chocolate chips on the y- top you know, in the cake. You know,
0: just a few days ago on, on uh, okay. Film Week, Tim and I were, were reviewing the week's movies, and, and one of the movies was this sugar film, which is basically an Australian version. It's like the, this guy in Australia, he made his version of uh, Super Size Me, where he goes back onto sugar, and he starts eating Foods that have sugar in them and his waistline just its it, it basically, I decided not to eat anymore. But I'll make an exception for your cake. All right. Of course, my daughter loves Peppa Pig more than anything. There is a Peppa Pig theme park in, uh, in England, kind of a little bit sort of southeastish, ish southwest-ish of Stonehenge. And uh, we're going to go there one of these days. You better believe it. Uh, Peppa Pig. Uh, finally, a brand-new Peppa Pig DVD is out. We're slowly inching our way to getting to a fraction of the number of episodes that they had originally in the UK. But this one is a Peppa Pig's school bus trip. It includes a little mini booklet, and uh, it's wonderful. It includes some hilarious episodes, like The Quarrel, which is hilarious. Uh, Mr. Skinny Legs. That, he's, of course, a spider. Uh, Madame Gazelle's leaving party. Very sad, very tragic moment and gym class Uh, all in all there are 10 episodes Peppa Pig is the best and uh, by way of making a little connection the guy who writes the music for Peppa Pig same guy that does the music for Wallace and Gromit so it has kind of the same vibe for older kids Justice League Gods and Monsters DC Universe original movie uh, pretty great honestly this is uh, I I, I keep saying this and if they had these guys writing the uh, the Justice League actual live action films I would feel a lot better. This is uh, uh, pretty great. From Bruce Tim, who is some kind of animation uh, legend. He's the guy that uh, shepherded this thing and uh, does a hell of a job. It's really, really good. And um, I think it ties in with some comic storylines. I tried to confirm that, uh, but it's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty cool. So um, there's a whole... In mystery in web of intrigue thing that isn't. Uh, we don't really have time to get into, but it's. It, this is definitely one of the best um, uh, Justice League uh, original movies they've yet had on uh, on Blu-ray uh... caillou still confuses us don't know why he's bald don't know why he he whines so much but caillou goes back to school my daughter was watching caillou this morning it's just the strangest obsession that kids have with caillou this is the 25th anniversary of caillou so by all rights he should be uh... already grown up and uh... and married and had kids and and divorced and and suicidal and uh... and broke and living in a hostel that's where caillou should be but he's not He's still a kid he's still bald caillou goes back to school dvd with bonus book just in time for kids to actually go back to school and then uh, wrapping things out with the final three, and the best one is that uh, we're saving for last. Uh, next is uh, a Nickelodeon kind of compilation disc. Let's learn kindness. You get the Bubble Guppies and uh, you know, Dora and uh, Timmy Mizumi and Blues Clues, and you know they they smash all this stuff together, and, and they're fine for kids that want just some kind of general Nickelodeon pass the time. Uh, Mia and Me, creepiest animation ever. Uh, Friends to the Rescue. It's uh a little too avatary, but uh, if you're familiar with Mia and me, it 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 that also has a following. All these really it, almost two photorealistic CGI animated shows are, are a l- just a little on the a little on the excess side for me, but uh, you get sto- three stories here. Trump has lost uh, the Golden Sun and on Oasis. And then lastly, on the Kidvid front, now that Mark is back, where's my cake?
1: Uh, it needs to. W- it was in the refrigerator. I want it to warm up just a little bit.
0: Oh, uh, microwave?
1: No, no, just you
0: know, right, air, okay. air warm. Oh, air warm. Okay. Is that like air guitar? Here's the best one, Mark. You're gonna love this. This is a Blu-ray DVD combo set. This is the best thing ever. This is from Warner Brothers. I am so excited by this. I can't tell you how excited I am. Scooby Doo. And you remember when Scooby Doo, like that second incarnation of Scooby, is like the second generation Scooby Doo, where they did all the celebrities. Raggy, remember they like they they teamed up with Laurel and Hardy, or they teamed up with uh, the Three Stooges, or the Harlem Globetrotters. Do you remember that Harlem
1: Globetrotters? I you're, definitely you're, remember.
0: You remember that one? Okay, check this out: Scooby Doo and
1: Kiss. Yeah, yeah, but see, Kiss, will do, Kiss will
0: do anything. I know it's pretty great though, right? It, they, Look, you know, they're Scooby the and Shaggy whores. with Scooby and Shaggy with face makeup. Look at him. Look at him. Oh, yeah, great. awesome he writes itself. Look. look it would be fine. If, if,
1: now, if it was Scooby like Led Zeppelin, that's cool.
0: Look, he, with the tongue. Uh, like, oh. See, uh, he gets licked
1: just like Scooby licks yeah, everybody. Yeah. He's getting a taste of his that's own great. medicine.
0: There you go. Too funny. <laughs> it really is silly. Uh, and, of course, they already have the Scooby-Doo wrestling thing, right? The WWE Scooby-Doo adventure. So they're doing this again. Uh, but this comes with ultraviolet as well. And it is kind of a hoot. I mean, new Scooby-Doo is not nearly as good as old Scooby-Doo. Original Scooby-Doo is still old school and the best. But uh, you get some bonus cartoons on here and uh, some, you know, w- kind of silly little bonus features, including a uh, a blooper reel, which is just pointless. But uh, it's great. It's great to have them along for the mystery. Rock and roll mystery. Scooby-Doo and Kiss, rock and roll mystery. Original movie, Blu-ray, DVD. It's great. Get some.
1: All right. I, I'm posting the cake photo to. Well, Facebook good for right you. Right now.
0: Good for you. So we're going to. I am
1: contributing nothing to the show except for we're, we're cake le- at a photo.
0: That's right. Well, we're going to go through some docs.
1: Why would do you give me all the juice stuff? Why do you give me all the juice stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we do this last week?
0: No, 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 no. That we, we did not do that last week. We had some. We had some C- I did, but I just thought we, we did We had some week. Sisu stuff. No, we had some oh, Sisu stuff. Yeah, we had some other Sisu stuff last week, but this is more of the same. Uh, you want me to cover it?
1: Uh, no, I no, I have it. I I, I liked it. It's okay. good. I'm just saying. I thought yeah. we did this last week. No, yeah. you know, we did a bunch of Holocaust stuff. That's well, this is the same people. The Sisu stuff. You're right. This yeah. is Knights of Tel Aviv. These are uh, three detective stories. Israeli detective stories. Um, you know, I kind of like this stuff. I um, I was a little uh, happier with the other stuff from last week, just because it was uh, it was more it's nonfiction and really well done. And uh, this stuff. The one I liked the best was this five-minute walk because it kind of feels like a, um, it feels a little bit more modern in its filmmaking, kind of a little Tarantino-esque maybe, and I did like that. Uh, there's also Sherman in the Winter and uh, the Investigation Must Go On, and so uh, yeah, it's good stuff. One is about a robbery investigation that leads the detective to this uh, to the singer.
0: Yeah. They have, no, I'm I'm saying they have you know the the the, the whole f- the history of filmmaking in Israel is really interesting, and there are a lot of these films that are just that people don't know about. So I mean, I'm glad they're they're putting a lot of these out. Um, the uh, the investigation must go on is a really really good movie and uh, people shouldn't be um, put off by the fact that it's uh, it, that it's it's kind of buried here in a three film box set because it's it's really really good. Well,
1: the thing is, is that there's not like a lot of Israeli filmmakers who are really known internationally. Like true. Amos Gitai is one. The,
0: increasingly, there are there are more and more, but yeah. Ari
1: Folman is one.
0: Ari Folman's so good.
1: Yeah, he's great, so and, great. and I I like Amos Gitai. I don't think you like him.
0: I, uh Dupin? you know what I it depends. I've liked a lot of his stuff. I think he can be a little bit kind of self-indulgent and long-winded, but he's he's he was sort of like the first real breakout internationally acclaimed Israeli filmmaker and he's unbelievably prolific. So I And
1: mean, some of these guys too. I, I I think these guys could definitely uh make a mark on the international stage. Yeah, uh but until sure. they do, you have these uh
0: three DVDs. Yeah. So anyway all right so now on to the docks that was our that was our uh, foreign language thing this week um, uh, Antarctic edge 70 degrees south is uh, is kind of a, a boilerplate documentary about a, uh, a crew that goes basically to the Antarctic to do a lot of you know uh, climate change monitoring of uh, you know ice th- this and you know the temperature of the water and a whole lot of stuff that I, I just do not have the uh, the mental gray matter to understand. This is essentially a production of Rutgers University. Uh, the team is from Rutgers, and uh, it's 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 very academic, and it's very boilerplate, but it's also very interesting. And it's interesting in the sense that you are... It, it's you, you don't have sort of e- e- talking heads sitting there arguing about whether or not... Is there or is there not global warming? Is there or is there not climate change? These are guys who are actually measuring things, and you see them measuring things. And... Uh, you start to understand precisely what it is. I mean, when we talk about warming, it's – as they point out in this thing repeatedly, the temperature is sitting in the water. It's not the temperature you and I feel in the air. You know, this is something that's not often explained with climate change. It's not, it's not like, oh, my gosh, it's, uh, it's 95 degrees today. It's global warming. It's how much is sitting in the water. The water is warming. It's not the air. It's the water. That's the whole point of this. And this is, and, but there are interesting contradictions in here as well, and these guys uh, are really struggling with a lot of, you know, to, to, to juggle the data and to come up with what the data means. So it's nicely shot, uh, but it's very dry and academic. And then uh, kind of on a similar vein, uh, outbreak, why wasn't the Ebola outbreak stopped before it was too late, is a front line from PBS. Uh, well, now they have a cure. Which is, well, it's not a, a cure. A, it's it's a, vaccine, a, a vaccine, which appears to be 100%. I mean, obviously it needs more time for us to really, really know, but I think that's what's interesting that this comes out now because now it shows you how quickly things change. Anyway, um, but this is a really interesting investigation, and it gets into all the inadequacies of all these international health organizations and governments and how they responded inadequately, and really it gives you a lot of confidence in the people who – Actually, no. I take that back. It it gives you no confidence whatsoever in the people who are supposed to prevent these things. So the question is, it, it, fine, Ebola. We got a vaccine now. But what happens when the next freaking crazy disease emerges from the Amazon or you know South Southeast Asia or you know some guy comes running out of the jungle in Indonesia and says, "I, I just got bitten by a 19 foot mosquito." They're all coming. They're coming. Then what do we do? Sounds like it sounds like a sci-fi movie. Then what do we do? Shark mosquito. All these organizations are going to screw us over again.
1: Oh, wait, music fans are going to like uh, this film by Robert uh, Fatinato called I Dream of Wires. Now, this movie is all about um, the modular synthesizer. Now, as music fans know, it all started with Robert Moog, the Moog synthesizer, and it just launched this entire resurgence of, of musical experimentation, mm-hmm. a lot of which I didn't like. Although, I, you know, like there's a lot of great people interviewed in the doc, Trent Reznor, Gary Newman, here in my car. I <laughs> um, oh, used to love he that just, song He just had an
0: accident or something Didn't he have a heart attack or a car accident Gary or something? Newman? Yeah He did not Gary Newman had some
1: I'll, oh, I'll look it up, keep talking I love that song Anyway, so it's great Because the Moog synthesizer was You know, it was the size of a room But it changed music And they became obviously smaller and smaller Then they, then then they kind of went out of style Now they're back in style So this movie, I Dream of Wires Is just a great primer on just, on just how it all started How it went bad and how it's back And uh, it's great. It's insightful. It's fun. It's interesting. If you love music, especially music from the last, let's say, 30 years or so, you will totally dig uh, I Dream of Wires. A lot of good um, extras on it as well, a couple of uh, shorts, and an extended interview with uh, Trent Reznor. So uh, there you go. I Dream of Wires. Good stuff by Robert uh, Fantinato and Jason Am.
0: Yeah, I guess nothing happened to him. I thought thought something happened to him recently, but uh, maybe I was wrong. Here in my car? Yeah, well, whatever. No, you know, um, the – a good friend of mine who passed away just a few years ago was... He's only
1: 57. He's still pretty young. I mean, he's, yeah, not, no, he's, really, he's really not like young. an old, doddering old man.
0: You no, know, a good friend of mine was Ruth White. Uh, I was actually on an, on an arts uh, council with her for many years that she headed. And uh, Ruth White, she passed away just a few years ago. It's very sad. But um, Ruth was one of the pioneers in Moog composition. She was I mean, she was amazing. She she was a, a real electronic music pioneer and um, wonderful lady. Just amazing. So... So, it's just an extraordinary talent. Uh, so, I heard a lot about Moogs through her, definitely. A uh, Message from Hiroshima is uh, narrated by George Takei, as, which makes a lot of sense. Gets oh, your, Yeah, there you go. Uh, and this is by Japanese filmmaker Masaki Tanabe. And it is basically a look back in history at what Hiroshima was before the bomb was dropped. Uh, which is fascinating because all we know today is Hiroshima post-bomb. I mean, it was you know it it, it was a city, it was destroyed, and then t- here's Hiroshima today. Uh, and of course, we you know Hiroshima mon amour, and there are a few cinematic uh, tributes to the to the city. But uh, this really goes into great detail as to what what vanished, what was destroyed, uh, what did they lose, and in, uh, in both you know in terms of architecture, culture, people. Talent, all this stuff, and it, it's really quite amazing. What I didn't know either—did you know the atomic bomb was detonated two thousand feet above the city?
1: I, I you knew it was that? detonated above the city. I didn't yes, know it was yeah, two thousand feet. I never, i have been to Hiroshima. I never knew they, that. they have an amazing, uh, you know, shrine museum there. Yeah. They actually have—they actually have parts of the city that that they have kept untouched.
0: I didn't realize the bomb detonated in the air it didn't I, I thought it was just you know hits the ground and boom it, it it detonated in the air that is amazing is true wow that's just horrifying anyway a lot of a lot of survivors are uh, are interviewed here as well and uh it's pretty great there's this really interesting use of uh computer generation that sort of takes you back and tries to reconstruct the the city it's really good it's really really good message from hiroshima good film good bit of history
1: oh wait i'm a big blues fan uh so um I wa- by the way, there is your slice. Thank, of, um, you. Thank you. Hang on much. now. Take it now. Uh, now, you, as usual, y- you are the king's taster. Yes. So when you taste something, you have to tell me mm-hmm. honestly All if right. you like it or not. Okay. You can't say, oh, that's good, and you don't like it. like the smallest bite anybody's ever taken out of any food. Like a mouse. Well,
0: you know, I want to make sure I don't die. Oh, it's, it's good. It's really good. You're just saying that. You d- no, you did You did good, Grasshopper. Really, really good. See? It's got mm-hmm.
1: th- the cake has chocolate chips in it. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And, and then it's cream cheese frosting. Oh, yeah. I didn't use all the cream cheese frosting, so I froze what I didn't use, and I'll put it on something else. Very nice. Or something. Very Good much. man.
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, um, I, ma- I, I made a cake a couple weeks ago, and it was like a beginner's cake. It, really, uh, it was like a lame recipe. But here's the thing. I don't want to make a whole cake because I'm one man. I got no girlfriend. I got no kids. I got nothing. I'm just a single man living in the world. So I don't want to make a nine-inch cake because that's like, like really pathetic. So I find recipes – for six-inch cakes. Six-inch cake, smaller, right? I can slice it up mm-hmm. over the course of a week or give it to yeah. a friend, comes over. Sure. So uh, that's more reasonable. So this yeah. is a good recipe for a six-inch cake. Pretty great. Whereas the first one I made was not very good because it was a mm-hmm. bad recipe. Anyway, uh, big blues fan. So in 2007, there was a uh, cruise to the Caribbean. It was a it was a blues cruise, a rhythm and blues cruise that had all these great uh, blue stars, Bobby Rush, uh, Buckwheat Zodico is probably the most famous one, Uh, Cody Band, and uh, it's great. So there was a guy there, and he wound up recording it, and, um, you know, 100 minutes later, here comes Deep Sea Blues. Now, I I wish that, you know, here's the thing. If you love the blues, and you're well-versed in the blues, and you've seen all the great blues documentaries, definitely check out Deep Sea Blues. It's a great little, cool little sidebar to the blues, if you're just starting out loving the blues, I wouldn't start here. I would start with the various concert films and, and concert CDs and whatnot.
0: but what if you're what if you're too happy to enjoy the blues how do you, see, how, here's do you the thing, get, though, how do you get adequately depressed to actually get yeah. into the blues?
1: Well, what people don't get about the blues is that yes, yeah, some of the blues was my baby left me and blah blah blah." Mm-hmm. But a lot of the blues is pretty funny. He has a lot of really funny lyrics in the blues. Oh, well. So it's not always depressing music. Okay, and that's part of the fun of it. Okay. Sometimes it's "My baby left me, and sometimes it's uh, you know. Other fun stuff regarding.
0: Like my baby walked into a bar with two rabbis.
1: It, it, well, usually not rabbis. Okay. <laughs>
0: <Anyway>. <laughs> Maybe. Scale Maybe. of one to ten, how goes my cake? Uh,
1: Scale, you of know one what? To ten. Scale
0: one to ten? Um.
1: Yeah, okay, ten being like professional, I go to a restaurant and buy it. One being like swill and gutter I'm trash. Gonna, I'm
0: going to say it's a good solid four. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought you'd say. No. no, I think it's about, about like a seven and a half. Right?
1: That's, about yeah. a, that's like a seven and a half. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's about a seven and a half for sure. So good. Yeah. Uh, from the Athena line of the of Acorn is uh, the Wild West with Ray Mears, a wild ride into America's historic frontier. You know, there's a, there's an interesting thing that's been going on lately, uh, especially on on Film Week. We've been talking about a lot of a lot of these westerns, and they're all westerns made by European filmmakers, uh, you know, uh, Scottish and Irish and Danish and what have you, and they're all shot in New Zealand or in South Africa. Or in Spain, you know, like the like the spaghetti westerns, which were shot in, in Italy. They're they're all shot somewhere else, other than here. And even though it looks fine, it's adequate. But I miss Monument Valley. I miss the whole John Ford thing, right? The whole the the, the the you know the John Wayne John Ford deal, where you go, wow, I, that's there. It is. It's Monument it's Valley. Unmistakable. It's unmistakable. That's it. So anyway, this is what you get here. Uh, if you've been missing all of that, you you uh, can dig into the Wild West with Ray Mears and uh, get some unbelievable photography and uh, really scholarly background from uh, you know a, a, an English wilderness expert of all things. Um, uh, that, that just takes you into some unbelievable places, um, and it's not just you know Monument Valley. Obviously, you get into the Appalachians and the Sierras, and it takes you all over. Uh, it's just a wonderful way. It's a great travelogue and comes with all the educational stuff the Athena stuff usually does. So that's that is just first rate and wonderful. And then we got a couple here from uh Icarus that uh came out some weeks ago but which really ha- I I've, I've been wanting to recommend these for a while. Uh fans of filmmaking will love both of these. These are these, these are sit-downs with some unbelievably talented filmmakers. The first one is uh Chantal Ackerman from here. And uh, Chantal Ackerman is one of the great living French filmmakers. Uh, She's French language, we should say. She's Belge by birth, but primarily known as a filmmaker in the French film industry. And... uh, what we get here is a a one hour conversation of her entire body of work and she gets into everything. I mean you know she's done she's done shorts and features and documentaries and you name it. and she goes into all of her insecurities and her uh, you know what her how her uh, work is approached and how she works and it's great, especially if you're you know if you want to see it like how work is seen through the eyes of a female filmmaker in Europe, it's very different as well. And then this is uh, <laughs> from the same series. Uh, This is by uh, Frederick Chauffat and Vincent Lowey. Uh, This is Marcel Ophels and Jean-Luc Godard, The Meeting in Saint-Gervais. And uh, this takes place in... There's this little uh, theater in Geneva where Marcel Ophels and Godard... Sat down for uh, in front of a live audience and just went at it. And it's not always just them reminiscing and going, "Oh, I like you and you like me." It's it's there's there's, there's you know nobody really ever has a pleasant conversation with Godard. He's contentious and he's cantankerous and he fights with everybody. So uh, there's a lot of drama here, but it's it's really theoretically fascinating just from uh, the way they look at the whole not only film but their their own identities and. Uh, it's great. It's really, really great. So um, that also first rate. So the uh, the two are Marcel Ophuls and Jean-Luc Godard, The Meeting in Saint-Gervais, and Chantal Ackerman, comma, from here. Both of them from Icarus. Really, really good stuff. Uh, so at this point... Look, gods at digigods.com. That's the email address. You should send us uh, emails and uh, vox boxes, gods at digigods.com. There have got to be more people out there who want to hear their voices on this ridiculous we podcast.
1: A lot. We have not gotten any vox boxes it's recently. Summer. You can record it on your phone and email it to us off your
0: phone. You could. You are just walking down the street. You think up a question, pick up your phone, record a, 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 a voice tag or whatever, depending on what phone you have, and just do a little voice memo and go, uh, Wade and Mark, I think you guys suck, and then just send it to us, godsadigigods.com. Easily done. You can do it with your phone.
1: Okay, the, f- the third person to email us with, uh, well, <laughs> uh, you guys suck, Wade will mail himself to your home. I will put Wade I in a gigantic six-foot-tall FedEx box, and I will uh, FedEx him to your home.
0: That's not a bad idea.
1: Where he will make spaghetti.
0: It's not a bad idea. All right, so we've got uh, we've got some uh, listener mails that I wanna just kind of jump through a little bit. We also uh, have some Blu ray news, Wade. Oh, do we? Well hits have... with the Blu ray news. Well
1: you always gotta get into the Blu ray news. All right. by the way, folks, let me just say if you go on Amazon right now, with a super low low price of two hundred and twenty five dollars. Uh oh. They have a box set, the collected works. Of Bach? Uh, of Miyazaki. A bo- a box set? Miyazaki. Oh, Miyazaki.
0: The box eleven set. the eleven film the yes. eleven film monster, yeah.
1: Coming out. You gonna buy it, Wade? No. Did you get it all for free? What do you care?
0: Well, we'll see if they send it to us. You know, I mean, the the, the Miyazaki stuff has not been easy to get. That been is a little, true. they've been a little stingy about that. So,
1: so. it's uh, Walt Disney and Studio and Studio G- G- Ghibli have announced. Uh, yeah, it's actually twelve discs total.
0: Studio Giblets.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be great. Uh, anyway, October second is uh, Age of Ultron, the uh, Marvel sequel. Mm-hmm. A little bit over the. Uh, they got to. Uh, that is some of those Marvel films. I like them fine, but what what, what I liked about Ant Man is that I felt like okay, not every single solitary Marvel film has to involve the fate of the world. My the aunt, th-
0: my aunt is not a man. She's my aunt.
1: Um, moving on <laughs> from that. Uh, yeah. So there you go. So it would make uh, more
0: sense if he were Uncle Man. I'm gonna work this. I'm gonna work it until I make you smile. Not gonna happen. No, they
1: do. they <laughs> so now I was very excited about the uh, Otto Preminger Blu-ray collection because I'm a big fan of Otto Preminger. However, the films, while all fine, are not like my favorite Preminger films. They are Fallen Angel, Whirlpool, and Where the Sidewalk Ends. Um, hopefully, they'll come out with like something a little bit more um, complete. Although I'm sure there's rights issues involved with that. And uh, yep, so that's pretty much what's going on. Uh, World According to Garp is coming out. On August 25th, on Blu-ray, finally. George Royale, Robin Mm -hmm. Williams, love Mm -hmm. it. Uh, Jurassic World's coming out on 3D. That's coming out on... um, Actually, we don't know when that's coming out, but uh, you can pre-order it, and then, uh, yeah. So there's definitely some good stuff coming out.
0: Brilliant. 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 So, uh, here we go. Uh, Walter writes us and says... um, I just saw, speaking of Ant-Man, just saw Ant-Man, and so much for a glorified cameo, Michael Douglas is all over the movie. Uh, curious as to what you think. I'm an admitted Marvel fanboy with bias Miles Long, so, of course, I loved it. also saw Witnesses finally scheduled to hit Blu-ray. So excited. I think it's one of Harrison Ford's best. Yes. So, did you like Ant-Man?
1: I did like Ant-Man, yeah. actually. You know what? Because, again, it felt a little more uh, – it's funny how, like, the Marvel films are so just enormously over-the-top, is yeah. crazy, ridiculous, no, you know, just mayhem for three hours. Yeah. That when you get a, when you get Ant Man, which is only like it's a heist. Know, it's, it's not it's even just like it's a heist it, film.
0: It's not saving the world, it's and that's not, okay. Yeah.
1: Thank God. Yeah. You know, you it, 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 put it this way, it's the it, it was the right Marvel movie for this moment because people after Avengers two were starting to wonder
0: is every movie is, going to be a cataclysmic rescuing the world from yes. ju- from a vortex opening up and, uh, and and dumping aliens all over the yes. planet. Yeah. And
1: Ant mans not like that. So this this was the movie that made us think okay. Marvel actually understands that, that not every movie yeah. can be the same damn thing.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think they understand that also thanks to the TV series now, despite this alleged feud between the TV division and the film division. Because, you know, uh, the, the st- for example, the, the, the Daredevil series is predicated around a relatively small and intimate storyline about a handful of characters, which includes Kingpin, you know. It's very interesting. Uh, anyway... And then uh, Al in uh, San Francisco writes uh, about the latest episode, I was getting Carol King ballad teary-eyed as your recorded voice was faded into the distance as if you were leaving us uh, almost as blue as I got after finishing watching for the first time The Decline of Western Civilization 3, L.A. gutter punks only last week, but not quite as mildly devastated as what I watched years ago on PBS, that 1984 doc on homeless teens in Seattle, Streetwise. Never released digitally. Why, Mark? Are you're, you familiar with Streetwise?
1: Y- yes. Yes.
0: Okay. Uh, the answer to that is that, as I understand it, the rights reverted to the people who made it, and it is no longer in the PBS library. So I'm not quite uh, – I'd have to research that some more, but that is my understanding from what I heard uh, some time ago when I heard that same a similar question asked and then he also asks hey can you easily put aside your feelings uh, your ill feelings for actors directors and those who were famous or famous for being horrible or at least did one major bad thing when watching their work especially if the work is good and really good i have no problem watching uh, polanski stuff and i adore phil specter's classic pop songs love watching robert blake and busting Electric Glide uh, in blue etc uh levin will always love watching hickey and Boggs and mother jugs and speed um, but I'm not uh, 100% enjoying Peter Sellers' performances anymore. I've recently read about how unbelievably malevolent he was toward his children and an awful father. So the question is uh, how easily can you enjoy the work of people who have done horrible things in real life?
1: Well, we have this conversation yes, we often, especially yes. nowadays in the internet age. Yes. And I think it really started with Woody Allen, really started with Woody Allen, at least in the yeah. modern times. Yeah. You know, last 30 years or so. But those I'll are just say. allegations.
0: You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, you can say, yes, well, he cavorted mm-hmm. off with his mm-hmm. with his stepdaughter. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it, certainly that that soured a lot of people are like, it is soon you thing, creepy, nasty. I can't watch his movies the same anymore. But I mean, there
1: is there a line after which I, I would say, you know, I can't watch this person's films anymore. Probably if they if they're a child murderer or, or remember, remember who is that guy, Victor Silva.
0: Yeah. Right. Yourself. I can still watch Powder. I like Powder. Powder's a good movie. But he's not on screen. He's the he's the ma- he's the filmmaker. I know. The, the question is, it crosses it all. I think it's it may be harder if it's the the actor in question. But even there, I mean, I will still watch episodes of the Cosby Show, and I'm not I'm not going to go Rapist! No, because he's playing a character. I can I can make that separation. I can make that separation. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And I can make the same separation for. Uh, you know, just meeting people in general. I could, if like, if I met Charles Manson and he were nice to me, I'd, I'd, I'd buy him a, you know, a sandwich.
1: Aww. No, I wouldn't. Would it be a tongue sandwich?
0: <laughs> I'd kill him. Uh, is what I'd do. I'd strangle the man. I'd say you were supposed to die decades ago. You cheated death. Uh, and then uh, from Luke, Luke says, I uh, hope you guys were not too puzzled with my following opening for this week's episode. This was a couple weeks ago. Uh, I guess I'm too much of an unapologetic Chris Nolan fanboy I do have a quick question about Neil Blomkamp though why do you think Elysium and Chappie are not living up to what Blomkamp set for himself with District 9 was it that he did not have the proper guidance from Jackson or is his style too specific and only works for the one film thoughts as to whether he's a one hit wonder or not
1: I don't think he's a one hit wonder. I don't I, I, I don't I don't think he is.
0: I think it's too much success too quickly.
1: See the thing too a Chappie is that Chappie feels like a, it, Chappie feels like the, the movie he wanted to make when he was a kid. Yeah. Which really shouldn't necessarily be the be the movie you make when you're successful as an adult. You know, even the yeah. name Chappie is like some Australian like bubblegum or something. Like it's
0: I think there are two things. I think, uh, and, and this is what I wrote him back too. I think, I think very often you have these guys who have put years and years and years into honing that one great script, like Shyamalan did with the, you know, the Sixth Sense, and then it, it hits big, and they don't have anything left, so they they just dig into their, you know, trunk and pull out something sort of half-written, and they and they go with that, and and they do, they haven't put the same level of care and work and effort into developing a follow-up. That is part of it. And then I also think it's just, you know, suddenly there's these huge expectations and instead of just doing something you love, you, you you try to give the public what you think they want from you and you're not really true to yourself. So I think it was it's a little bit of both. Too much success too quickly, but you know, he'll he'll get it on. He'll he'll the the ship will write itself, I think probably when he does the alien film. I agree. All right, Mark, let's do some T V. TV? TV. Uh, what should we do? Uh, let's you see. Should do the comeback? Uh, you know, Lisa Kudrow is a good place to start. Why not?
1: Yeah, so we have the comeback. Now, the comeback, uh, this thing's had a weird ride because it, it was an HBO comedy show, and the first season, it had a um, it uh, had a great time slot. It was after Entourage. However, it's still rated pretty low. Not many people liked it. The critics hated it. But then season two, people like season two. Season two is better than season one, and now the thing got uh, picked up for season three. So what we have here is we have all 21 episodes of the show so far, which encompasses season uh, one and season two. So uh, with season three, hopefully they will uh, continue the success of season two or at least figure out why season two worked and season one did not work, and then they can uh, – just go with the stuff that works. But uh, is it good to see Lisa Kudra back? Sure, you know, absolutely. It's, some of this stuff is very self-reflexive. Like you know, she did, like this show is about you know a a, a, a woman who needs a, a performer who needs like a like a, a comeback. She's fallen hard times. Yeah. She needs a comeback. Yeah. You know, um, Matt LeBlanc has a similar show. Yeah. Right where it's like they can't really play characters anymore. They have to play these the sort of postmodernist <laughs> reflections of themselves. <laughs> you know, because really. I think that they, they realize that <laughs> no one's going to see them out. No one's going to see them and not think of friends. Yeah,
0: that's a really good way of putting it. A postmodern reflection of themselves. I have to write that. Down. <laughs> Steal
1: that. Uh, so that's what you get. But you know what? In, in the case of uh, of the comeback, although the first season sucked, the second season was good. So um, this should be on Blu-ray, but it is not. That being said, uh, you might want to catch up on all two seasons before yeah. season three begins.
0: Right, rock on. So I'm, I'm going to go through some uh, old-school TV here, here real quickly. And uh, we got season 11 of Married with Children. Let me tell you something. By the time you get to season 11 of Married with Children, a show that was always always kind of flirting with the edge of self-parody. Well, it was always parody. But by season 11, this thing is just completely full-on self-parody. It is just completely crazy. This is the end of the show. 24 seasons of just no holds barred. We know this is ridiculous. We're tired of doing this show. Everybody wants to move on. We're tired, and we got nothing left to lose. And uh, I don't know if that makes necessarily a uh, uh, for a good season, but, boy, it makes for a really kind of nutty season. It's a sloppy, crazy, nutty season. So that's the uh, 11th season of Married with Children. Uh, Mama's Family, Mama's Favorite, Season 6. They just keep milking this thing uh and, and you know this is from Star Vista Time Life uh via Warner Brothers and uh you know six episodes that they they consider to be favorites the sixth volume of them uh Mama fights back Bubba's house band bye bye baby if those mean anything to you uh some interesting guest stars including Stacey Q if anybody remembers Stacey Q but otherwise it just sort of slots in there with the with the rest of it uh growing pains is a show that everybody has conveniently forgotten for all kinds of reasons, uh, but uh, this is the fifth season of Growing Pains. It's out from Warner Archives, so it's DVD-R, and uh, I, it was kind of a charming show. It feels a little dated, but uh, I don't know. It, it's it's okay. Uh, you know, It brings back a little bit of nostalgia. There's nothing kind of remarkable about it in hindsight. It was sort of a zeitgeist show. It caught something, but it's all right. And then uh, Sergeant Bilko, the Phil Silvers show, third season, thirty-seven episodes, um, with including the Paul Ryan show interview with Phil Silvers and a commentary by Dick Van Dyke. Uh, which is a pretty great extra. Uh, otherwise, the, you know, Phil Silvers was just one of the great comedy legends of his era, and uh, this is the season that ran from 1957 to 58. Television was uh, all, it was still in its first decade, basically, and it's a pretty sophisticated show and pretty, pretty tight already by that point. And here come the two killers, the old TV killers. Uh, finally, we get Blu-ray of season two of I Love Lucy. Unbelievable. It has been forever, Mark. It's been forever that we've been waiting for, for the uh, Blu-ray season two of I Love Lucy.
1: really is true. I wonder why it took yeah, so long. I,
0: well, I, here's my understanding uh, because I have uh, people on the inside over there. The, uh, the season one Blu-ray came out in uh, May of last year. So it's over a year to get this thing out. And uh, I heard it sold really poorly. I heard that Paramount really wanted to reevaluate if they even wanted to put any further seasons out on Blu-ray and I guess some you know because they had already started the mastering process I guess they're they're redoing their marketing strategy but the question is whether we will get you know all the seasons now completely and i'm hoping we do but i mean it looks great and you get the original openings the cigarette openings right that nobody really wants to admit was originally how the show opened the chesterfields oh we love smoking here so awesome, ricky and i we love to promote lung cancer i mean it's a different era you know it's crazy
1: let's rewrite history and pretend that doesn't exist
0: but you get you know all the other stuff the audio commentaries and the uh, my favorite husband radio shows that inspired most of the original episodes and Beautiful, thirty-one season two episodes. You can watch them either way—the traditional opening that we're all familiar with, with the heart, or those original cigarette openings. And then, Mark, I'm curious about this: Why on earth would they release season one of The Man from Uncle? Is there a reason?
1: Um, I don't think there's a movie coming out. Is there a movie coming out, Man from Uncle movie?
0: No, no tie-in whatsoever. Nope, nope. So I guess it's just a sheer coincidence that we get the uh, complete season one of The Man from Uncle, twenty-nine episodes. Uh, on 10 DVDs. Uh, fun show. Really fun show. I'm glad it's coming out. It's too bad they haven't made a feature film out of it. it really is. You know? I
1: think that movie's going to be good. <laughs> Come on. Do you really? Yeah. I'm wondering. Come well, on. Let me, let me tell you something. Are, have you, are, you, are you
0: vaguely familiar with the plot of the film? No. Okay. Let me, let me tell you something. Uh, did it dawn on you when you were watching Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, that it was the exact same plot as Kingsman? Did that dawn on you? No, it is.
1: And uh, It still doesn't. Hasn't dawned. What, what was the plot of the Kingsman? K-
0: when you have to, and I the, love that movie. I just when, can't remember what it was. About. When you have to go rogue away from the organization itself because they've been infiltrated, and it need, and you, 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 you need, and there's a guy who's trying to literally destroy the whole world so that he can create a new world in its place, bring the whole ah. ci- all of civilization down. Did that not dawn on you? No. Okay. It's the plot of both films. You realize that? Yay. Have you thought about what the plot for Spectre is, the forthcoming Bond film? Uh, it's no. It's that. It's that plot. Do you know what the plot of The Man from U.N.C.L.E. is? Um, Basically that plot. You don't know Do, that. It, it Pretty much. Do you know what the plot is for uh, the uh, remake of Point Break? What? It's that plot. <laughs> okay. So, so somebody goes rogue. Yeah. yeah. It's somebody goes rogue to try to stop somebody who's I trying to bring civilization to its knees.
1: I feel a trend piece. You, yeah. You're writing a trend piece, aren't you? I'm,
0: I, I'm too lazy to write trend pieces. I'll call Justin. He does, he does them well over at Variety. But uh, bottom line, I mean, I said this on the radio on, on Friday, too. So anyway, Man from U.N.C.L.E., it looks derivative. I don't, I don't get the feeling that it's going to be really great. So, well, uh, will be fun. Oh, whatever.
1: That being said, Rent the that Kingsman. Said, rent yes. the Kingsman. So good. We love that movie. Okay, How to Get Away with Murder. This is uh, ABC show, part of the uh, Shonda Rhimes empire of ABC, uh, you know, I don't even want to call them primetime soap operas, but they're, yeah. very, um, they're very, they're very. soapy. Uh, they're soapy. Yeah. This one, um, luckily, uh, features one of my uh, favorite uh, actresses who, um, fortunately, um didn't get a lot of movie work, so she had to go to TV. But luckily, yeah. she went to this, Viola Davis. Yeah. Love her. She's fantastic.
0: She's great. Anyway, uh, movie movie work again. I hope so. She's awesome.
1: Anyway, it's about this. Uh, 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 Viola Davis plays a law professor, and she's a defense attorney, and she teaches. And she teaches at this little little uh, college, and she selects these a uh, couple students. there's five students to intern at her firm, and uh, you know they they have to uh, you know deal with all these horrible people. And. Uh, learn how to get away with murder anyway i like the show it's a good show it's a little little soap opera for me but still i like her a lot and uh the shonda rhimes empire you can only respect it because the shows even though she's got this big empire she's not phoning it in she's you know doing what she does doesn't you know I, i i'll take her stuff over Tyler perry
0: so from 2013 uh we have the first season of the adult swim series your pretty face is going to hell where do they come up with these titles Seriously. What,
1: who? What's, what's his uh, name? Your pretty face
0: is going to hell. Is Where that a movie it? or a TV no, show? It's a TV series. It's an Adult Swim series.
1: Oh, you know what? A, a Adult Swim—that's their thing. They want to be the one that yeah. uh, we fight the power with crazy yeah. names. It's
0: crazy. Well, anyway, this is a uh, this is a live action show, and uh, it's it's essentially kind of a, a Faustian comedy. It's—I still don't think it's funny, but it's a it's this weird Faustian comedy about a guy who's a demon. Who's uh, who's trying to climb the corporate ladder in hell, and he's supposed to d- drag souls down. Anyway, uh, but of course, you know he's a he's really quite a schlub. So it's a it's basically like a like a sitcom in hell. And uh, I you know I get it, uh, but it's kind of dumb at the same time. Uh, a lot of people think this thing is hilarious. It's very crude, very rude. So whatever, you know, more power to him. Let's see, I I. You know, let's see what season two brought when that comes out because I'm not going to catch up now.
1: Uh, Wade, uh, Strike Back is Cinemax's very first scripted series, which means you've never seen it.
0: Yep, true. Uh,
1: most people haven't seen. No, Strike Back. No. Um, this is a show. This is the third season. is now on Blu-ray, and uh, you know, uh, I think this show is fine. Uh, I, I can't say I watched every episode of this, but it's been on th- for three seasons now. It's about this British Defense Strike Force, and there's a lot of really grim-looking uh, guys uh, holding guns. That's what they do, and it's got Sullivan Stapleton and Philip Winchester, and it's all sorts of names that sound like they're a joke, but they're actually real people. And uh, you know, it's a lot of it is exciting. I, I just feel like you can get this in any number of different other places. That I don't know what Strike Back really gets you. Um, it's based on a book by uh, Chris Ryan, so it's a it's a the, the story itself is is interesting, but. Once you're three seasons and, you know, a couple dozen episodes in, you're way beyond whatever was in the book. So, you know, I guess if you can't get enough, you know, crazy-looking spies running around with machine guns and fighting uh, Colombians and, uh, and Russians and Germans, then I guess check out Strike Back because otherwise this thing has really not struck a chord at all with audiences because, you know, it's, it's Cinemax.
0: So there was a Lifetime series called Witches of East End which got canceled last year, and the uh, second season of it – is out now from 20th Century Fox. And uh, I I don't think the series is that bad, actually. I think it's better than Charmed. It's certainly more interesting than Charmed as far as, you know, witch-centric shows go, uh, witch-centric dramas. Uh, Basically about a family of witches... Uh, the matriarch of which is Julia Ormond You could do worse And uh, Maitian Amick from Twin Peaks is, is in this as well And, you know, bravo I mean, Maitian Amick and Julia Ormond That's a good show right there I don't even care if they're witches or not That's, that's a good show And uh, I like witches better than vampires If we're going to pursue some new television trend Please, more witches, fewer vampires, fewer zombies Let's go with the witches Witches can be attractive Vampires, you know, I guess vampires can be attractive too I guess that's the point But, you know, witches don't scare me I can I can enjoy them more anyway. Um, not a bad show. Uh, it, it's it's traffics in a lot of the same stuff, uh, but it's a lovely lovely setting. The East End uh, uh, environs are are certainly attractive, and it's nicely photographed. And they uh, traffic in a lot of the same themes that we've seen in other witch shows. But it's it's fine. It's it's. Uh, I thought it was well written. I'm surprised it didn't really uh, didn't really hang. But I guess the lifetime audience wants things that are a little uh, less edgy and mushier. Should have probably been on a different network.
1: That is true. Lifetime, you know what they? Lifetime audiences—they know what they like—and yeah. don't give them anything different because they won't see it.
0: And then, uh, when calls the heart uh, continues its hallmark channel oh, run, God. and this when is another calls one.
1: The, are you kidding? Me? When calls the heart—it's
0: Mike. This is yes. what Michael Landon Jr. has going. It's all he's got going. So uh, yes. you know he's going to milk those novels, those those Janet Oki novels, until the end of time. Anyway, when calls the heart? There you go. Wade. This is ha- heart it's of the so family. Beautiful. This is the latest one. It's heart of the family and uh it's just as uh, just as sweet and rural and schmaltzy and uh as all the rest of it. So uh you know, hang hang with it if you've seen it before, if you've not caught on with it, you're probably not going to be into it.
1: I'm into Robot Chicken, Wade. I can't say that I see I the show uh as it airs cuz I don't, uh, but I do see it on DVDs like this one, Robot Chicken season 7. Uh good stuff here. Lots of um spoofs on like World War Z and Monkey Brewster and Skeletor and Candy Crush and you know they really, they really do make these things as topical as they can in terms of comedy. So I do like Robot Chicken. It has not run out of steam for me. There's over an hour of extras on the DVD, not a Blu-ray, uh, including a commentary on all 20 episodes and a uh, and the Christmas special, and also a couple cut sketches and you realize why they were cut, but it's still nice to uh, nice to check them out. So um, yeah, I like it. Robot Chicken season seven, Wade. You sweet. know it, sweet.
0: And then last on television before we uh, get into uh, new movies is Helix season two. Play God, pay the price in a world. Uh, Blu-ray with ultraviolet. And uh, have you seen Helix, Mark? Y- I have not
1: seen Helix, Wade.
0: It's it, you know what? It's 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 well done um, for a uh, for kind of a. Horror. I mean, th- th- this is the new thing on television. Is these these shows that are all sort of uh, centered around uh, you know zombies, horror. Horror television is the new thing. Witches, fairy, dark fairy tales. This is our new. This is our new uh, thing on television. And I guess it's supposed to be a metaphor for how everybody feels about the world right now. But anyway, the uh, this one's not bad. I mean, I like it. The, the problem with a lot of these shows. This takes place on on a, a remote island and uh, it's a little bit like um, gosh what's the best way to, to kind of I, there's, a, there's a lost syndrome to this as well so they they're sort of trying to build up the same sense of mystique, a little bit of sense of horror, a little bit of moodiness uh, touch of Agatha Christie, maybe a little bit of Joss Whedon thrown in for good measure. Um, so, uh, But it, it, it edges too much into the, into the zombie films for me at a certain point. So I don't know. I'm still undecided as to how the genre splicing really works in this thing. But anyway, it's got deleted scenes and outtakes. It's a beautiful Blu-ray transfer, and that's Helix Season 2. Let's see how this continues to go.
1: Would I remember when, um, when I saw posters for Insurgent... The Shailene Woodley thing. Yep. I thought. Wait, they just came out with that last year. Yeah. No, no, that was Divergent. Yes. This is Insurgents. Yes. Two titles that sound so similar. Yes. I thought they were like re-releasing. And one. the
0: third one is uh, diverticulitis. No, it's called detergent. That's it.
1: So we, they, they all because they, they they get very messy in these movies. They you know run around and they get shot at and roll yeah. in the dirt that they have to clean their clothes.
0: Ah, gotcha. Anyway, this
1: movie is uh, is terrible. Uh, you know what? I think Shailene Woodley is just fine. I, I don't know that she has that it factor that uh, Jennifer Lawrence has. Although I don't think it's fair to compare them, but still, we are because Jennifer Lawrence has the Hunger Games.
0: Allegiant, Allegiant. is the third one. Is that even a word?
1: No. Uh, anyway, you know what? There's just too much to keep straight. There's too little substance. No death. It's too long. The the it's it's got a threadbare plot. I, I just you know some some of the action stuff I guess is fine, but uh, you know. What can I say? It's if you're if you're hard up for entertainment on a Saturday night, I guess you can go for Insurgent, especially if you saw the other one. But uh, Robert Schwenke, who by the way is not a bad director, he he directed the um, mm-hmm. I remember he directed the uh, Jodie Foster film uh, Flight Plan. Yes, and he turned the screws on that. Yeah, he did. That wasn't bad. Yeah. Uh, this is him, pretty much in like you know. Oh my God, I can't believe I actually got a franchise movie mode.
0: And he's doing the last the the two parts of the of the uh, this two part final episode stop thing. has got yeah. Just stop it, Harry Potter created that mess. Can you imagine if we had, had four Lord of the Rings films? <laughs> oh if they'd God. have stretched that third one out into two films. It would never have won 11 Academy Awards. No. They wouldn't have. No. Um,
1: I mean, frankly, the reason why it won as it is was not really for its quality. I just think that, I just think that the Academy wanted to reward New Line <laughs> for literally betting the company. Now, this yeah. is like 15 years ago, yeah. but they pretty much bet the company on those movies.
0: They, were, they wanted to honor New Line and Peter Jackson and everyone involved because it was arguably the biggest gamble in movie history. It was. It was this enormous gamble. We are going to spend you know $300 million on, or 400, whatever it was, $400 million on three films. Well, it was, it was $300 million on three films. That's what it was. It was like $100 million apiece. But by doing that, they were going to amortize the cost to cross it. But the question was, look, if the first one tanks, you're, you're stuck. Yeah, you you are. I mean, you are up. You know what? And uh, but they did it. They just it was. They rolled the dice, and man, the Academy just said, you know what? Well done. We we love it. More people should gamble. That's what it was. It was honoring the gamble.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I I remember back in the day when they sh- when they shot Back to the Future two and three back to back, and that was a big deal at the time. Yeah. Oh my God, they're going to spend a hundred million dollars <laughs> yeah. to shoot two movies. Yeah. Now you spend four hundred million dollars yeah. to shoot two movies. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, so insurgent. insurgent. It feels, you know what, it feels like it's the 17th YA series <laughs> out of another 65 that's going to come out in the next 10 years. So what the hell, man? Just I,
0: I actually en- I enjoy this series. Here's what? a weird thing. Well, I do. I enjoy this series. But here's the thing. I thought the first film was better than this one. I thought Divergent was better than Insurgent, uh, where the opposite is true with The Hunger Games. The first Hunger Games was crap, and that has been getting better each time. So uh, I, I hope this thing starts to improve again because this feels like a total middle movie. This feels just like treading water. It really does.
1: Uh, you know why? Because there's, no, there's, there's not enough plot because you're going from the first act. If, if, the, if the first film is the first act yes. and, the, and the third and fourth films are, let's say, the third act, this is the second act.
0: Also because something happens here that is incredibly anticlimactic. Because at least with the – not to give anything away for those who haven't seen it, but at least with the Hunger Games movies, you are just waiting for Katniss to just get it going with Donald Sutherland. He is just there and throwing everything at her, and you just want that big showdown at the end, right? You just want to see President – whatever the hell his name is – just get it, and that's it's building to that moment. And you think that this is building to a similar moment, and then it just goes, no. And you're like, wait a minute. I thought it was going to that – and then they did the thing, and now – I don't know where the third film's going to go. I mean, it, it sort of does, it throws a, a, a it throws a, a hook at you, and, and you now the third film is almost less of a sort of an action thriller thing, and now it's more of a mystery. Now the third film is going to take us into completely uncharted territory. So even though I feel it's anticlimactic, I'm very curious as to where the third film's going to take us. Anyway, a uh, bunch of extras here, four hours worth of stuff, featurettes and the usual, you know, uh, EPK junk that they throw onto these things but uh, ultimately it's a movie it's a really good transfer they're, they're doing a great job with the transfers they're, the audio is just it's kicking kicking on insurgent audio kicking puts the spe- maxes out the speakers big time good. so
1: what you're saying is it's kicking
0: it's kicking wow totally kicking wow alright um, let's see what else we got here um, Mark Home is one of the worst animated oh. films I've ever seen
1: really, you know what I, I, look it 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 died with the title home
0: i don't know How, why did you just call th- the movie the it, it th- there should have you you would have expected them to think oh this is no this is too shameless of a of a rip off from et but no, they went with it and dreamworks man are you really really i mean this is is this what it's come to there aren't they laying people off they're selling the lot it's it's just it's, yeah, a, cause it's they, a fire sale now because they
1: keep coming out with movies called home man
0: the house that shrek built and that was it it was done i know I mean it, it, they haven't been able to do anything ever since Shrek 2. Look I mean look
1: how pandering this is. Oh, look it's how terrible. pandering that, that looks. I mean Shrek at least looked like it was a little bit yeah. like for the kids it had a little little bit of kids kid you know appropriate edge to it. Well where, where where it felt like something a little bit naughty was going to happen. Yeah. But Home is just more crap. Yeah.
0: No. Anyway, uh, this is home, Blu-ray and DVD combo set. Uh, it's got uh, the ultraviolet thing on here, as, as they all do. And it's, it's E.T., man. It's basically E.T., except with this really ugly purple alien that just... It w- and frankly, Lilo and Stitch did the same thing, le- in less obviously. Lilo and Stitch is also an E.T. ripoff, but a really charming one that's really clever and very nicely done in 2D animation, no less. But uh, this thing, you know, oh... Is the is the alien? It's not even a cute name. Oh, come on, stop! Uh, Rihanna, Steve Martin, Jennifer Lopez, a few others do the do the audio voices here. It's not it's nothing special. Um, I'll tell you what I keep kind of coming back to, and I'm sorry it's not on Blu-ray. Every secret thing uh, is only on DVD. But uh, here's what's interesting about this. Yes, on a certain level, it plays just like a like a straight up Law and Order episode. Um, you know, the, it's it's so it, it basically it, it, it may be kind of like a lower tier serial killer movie. Uh, the idea basically being that uh, many many years ago, these eleven year old girls did kind of uh, the Peter like the, in the Peter Jackson film Beautiful Creatures. Sure, there's some famous murder that these two eleven year old girls were were a part of, and they've been uh, legally obligated to not to see each other ever since. And here we are. Suddenly something is now happening many years later that puts suspicion on them once again when they are adults. And the, uh, the woman who discovered, the, who sort of solved the murder originally when she was a, uh, a lower level police officer, she's now a detective in charge. And um, a lot of interesting stuff going on here. What's interesting is this is an all-female deal. That's what makes this more interesting than it w- normally would be. Uh, based on a novel uh, written by a woman uh, directed by a woman, Amy Berg, and basically optioned and then produced by uh, a, a you know an, an actress turned uh, producer, Frances McDormand. So it's and, and ev- the, all the suspects in the film are women. The lead detective is a woman. Uh, really, an interesting, uh, it really that, from that standpoint, the fact that it's completely female in all, in every way without appearing to be obvious about it is very interesting. Amy Berg, of course, great documentarian, has made a lot of really great documentaries, um, including most recent one about the uh, the uh, pedophile sex rings in That's Hollywood, right. which is
1: which causing, bombed, by the way,
0: which bombed. Well, because everyone's afraid of it. Um, but it's good. Have you seen it? No. It's I've good. Not. Is it really? Yeah, it's good. It's worth checking out. Um, but nobody wanted to. Nobody wanted to get any traction behind that movie because that's just light and a fuse. Nobody wants to see where that thing goes. Um, but anyway, Nicole Hollif uh did the screenplay. Not a great film, but certainly a, 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 an interesting film. So uh, props to Every Secret Thing. And I wish they'd put it out on Blu-ray because it's a it's a good moody thing. Amy Berg does a good good job directing this, and I'd love to see her do, do more feature work.
1: Uh, Wade, we have a movie here that uh, we can't recommend called, a, at least I can't recommend, called Adult Beginners. Adult Beginners is, uh, it's one of those, uh, it's a four-hander. It's a four-hander, Wade, with uh, Rose Byrne, who, by the way, I, yeah, I think I she's, like uh, she's moderately she's delicious. Good. She's yeah. she's moderately delicious. Absolutely. I have to say that. Sure. Uh, Nick Kroll, Bobby Cannavale, and Joel McHale from uh, The Soup. You know, it's one of those movies that uh, it is uh, it is it is pleasantly pleasant, and then it's over, and then you forget all about it. Nick Kroll plays this entrepreneur, and he under he's undergoing this crisis. So he decides to leave the big city and go back to hang out with his estranged pregnant sister, played by Rose Byrne, and the brother in law, played by Bobby Cannavale. So it's one of those movies where you know the um, you know the main character is this high tech super dude who who has to go home to find himself again, and you know it just it just feels very it's not really. It's it's not convincing enough as a drama, not funny enough as a comedy. It's kind of stuck in the middle. Yep. Um, what I would say is, if you are interested in watching Adult Beginners, I would pass on that and go see the infinitely better, moderately similar Skeleton Twins with Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig, which I was completely smitten with last year. It's a terrific film, Skeleton Twins. Um, uh, if you have seen that and you think Adult Beginners will be similar, you'll be uh, you will be um, sadly disappointed anyway just it's about another man child going back home to find himself and i just think this thing is uh pleasant I, but very forgettable i'm getting tired of those. burying the x is um, notable because wade who directed burying the x you're burying the x you're asking yourself a young man named joe dante
0: <gasps>
1: joe dante directed joe dante. burying the
0: x wow
1: now joe dante it's that's
0: unfortunate <laughs>
1: Joe Dante has not done a – I mean, he's directed films, but we're a, yeah. lo- we're a f- long way away from Interspace and Gremlins and Explorers and Twilight Zone, the movie, and The Howling and all those great films that he did uh, you know, back in the 80s and early 90s. So now we have him doing this thing called Baring the X where Anton Yelchin uh, plays a guy oh, who I is uh, scared Anton to Yelchin. break up with his girlfriend, but uh, he has to break up with her because she dies. Don't However, worry. it turns out she's undead,
0: Me no like Anton and she Yelchin. has come
1: back from the dead to get him back.
0: Anton Yelchin has a weird cadence to the way he talks. It bothers me. <laughs> it does. It's very strange. You know,
1: any, how dare you? Yeah. You know, any, any, anybody who thought this would be a return to form f- to, to Joe Dante. I mean, he, he Joe Dante did not elevate the material. The material brought him down. Yeah. You know, this is just. It's almost for higher work at this point. It's just a genre mashup that is just wouldn't you not love great.
0: To, wouldn't you love to see Joe Dante get a uh, get a Marvel film? Wouldn't you?
1: See, he should do like Doctor Strange, one of the odd. They little brought Joe ones.
0: Johnston in to do Captain America. I Why know. not? I mean, bring back, bring back some of these guys from the '80s because they will mix it up.
1: But no, but Joe Dante got Captain America only on the strength of the Rocketeer. Yeah, because he's done that sort Joe of Joe Johnston. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, Joe Johnston. He, yeah. uh, he's done that. He's done that time period before, yeah. and he did a great job. Captain America, first film was good. Yeah. Now Joe Dante, he would have to do something like Doctor Strange,
0: Plastic Man,
1: or Plastic Man, or something right? like that.
0: Yes. Come on, give it up for Plastic Man. All right, so I got a bunch of uh, kind of exploitation-y things here. I mean, this is for people who just want it down and dirty. So we got a, uh, a Maori film, a New Zealand film here from uh, the Magnet Line of Magnolia. It's called The Deadlands. It's basically just a Maori revenge film, a tribal Maori revenge film. Uh, a chieftain gets killed, and his son has got to avenge his dad. And uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's a lot of uh, lot of a lot of sweaty and muscles and and stabbing and hacking and all that kind of stuff. It's good. It's, uh, it's, a, it's got a good style to it. It's an interesting film. Uh, Toa Fraser directed it, and uh, we'll probably get some Hollywood work at some point out of this. i gotta, I got to believe. Um, then we've also got Into the Grizzly Maze on DVD, for whatever reason there are some named people in this thing like Thomas Jane, James Marsden and Billy Bob Thornton into the Grizzly Maze. I don't know how they wound up in this thing because it's uh it's kind of cheesy. I guess it's just a payday for everybody. Uh basically set in in Alaska. It's a, one of those survival movies. It's kind of like the uh, what was the Liam Neeson deal? Uh taken. No the the one where they uh the yeah. with the, with the, the plane Wars. and no the plane and then the Non-stop. the bear the wolves the, the no the with the with the, the wilderness plane? the wilderness and the the ah. fight and the you know where they, they Oh yeah oh I love that movie. the thing
1: Wait don't stop the recording. Oh, By the way I love that movie that movie was I great. Know. Um and I can't remember the name Don't stop it. Stop it. Anyway, stop it. Anyway
0: it's kind of like that.
1: It's called like the Gray.
0: The Gray. The that's Gray. It. The Gray. That's it. I
1: like that movie a lot.
0: That's it. It's the Gray. Anyway, this is so. This is basically you know running from a killer bear. It's a it's, you know similar kind of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We spent more time trying to <laughs> remember the title of the Gray of a movie we like a
1: lot, and it's yeah. like you know can't remember. So It's the
0: Grizzly Maze. I mean, look. I mean, Billy Bob Thornton and and James Marsden are are good in just about anything. Thomas Jane is a little bit miscast, but I like some of the choices he's doing. It's not great, but whatever. Uh, and then we got a thing here, also called uh, "Appetites." True love has never been so deadly is the worst tagline ever. True love has never been so deadly. What does that mean? Anyway, uh, this tells you everything you need to know. The the uh, Mark expo- describe the artwork for people. What, uh, what are we looking at here?
1: It's a uh, man and a woman sitting on a motorcycle. She's behind him, and uh, what's in her hand? Uh, a knife.
0: And what's in his hand? Uh, a gun. Yeah. And they're all dirty and bloody. Yes, they it. just had dirty, bloody sex. That's well. And then, then what's in the background? Uh, a burning car a upside burning down. A burning car. Okay, so.
1: Which I'm going to keep explaining the cover. Yeah, it, it really has nothing There's to do. words it on the top. The
0: yeah, it just doesn't have much to do with the thing. Anyway, uh, so um, the, the, the deal here is that uh, you've got this uh, girl named Daisy and her brother, and uh, they just live in the desert and, and kill people and and worse and that's it that's pretty much it and then uh she meets a guy who kind of steals her heart and uh suddenly that turns out to be not quite what she expected so there there's some kind of really ridiculous and unruly twists and turns in the story uh the the whole sibling thing and then the lovers on the lamb thing mix up in a very unorthodox and kind of distasteful way it tries to sort of gross you out and gore you out in uh, in ways that don't make sense but whatever it's called appetites and uh, it's you know they're, they're, everybody's trying to be a little more extreme with their independent uh, their independent genre stuff we've also got Lake Placid versus Anaconda Crocs on the dock snakes on the lake uh, everyone's trying to do the uh, trying to do the asylum thing now the uh, Shark NATO deal and they're all trying to find some Cormany way of being a little bit uh, over the top and a little bit scary at the same time anyway this is just gigantic uh, anacondas and crocodiles on this lake and uh, that's, your, that's your monster movie for the week it's ridiculous it's over the top it makes no sense no. The, effect, the effects are middling
1: that's not your monster movie of the week Wade
0: what's your monster movie of the week? Wormwood jeez. Oh, that's good is it?
1: Yes, this is micro-budget filmmaking at its most ridiculous and kind of awesome. This is a—it's uh, a post-apocalyptic world. Comet uh, destroys the Earth. It turns everybody into zombies except for a couple people, and uh, you know, it's just a bunch of mayhem and murder and cars driving around real fast and macho ridiculousness. And uh, you know, you've got a hand of these guys. Uh, Kaya Roach Turner uh, uh, directed it and. I, what I would assume is his brother, Tristan Roach-Turner, if not, that's a hell of a coincidence, uh, produced it. And you know what? This thing, uh, it's, it's, it's micro-budgeted, but it, it has a lot of ingenuity. It's a, it's a lot of fun. They take liberties with the whole zombie thing, which, of course, is great. And uh, so Wormwood, Road of the Dead, uh, i got to say from the good folks at IFC Midnight – this is kind of a, a zombie blast. I was kind of into this thing. I just, you know what? I appreciated you, you. You felt these guys were going into it saying, let's take these genre tropes. Let's turn them around a little bit. Even though we don't have a lot of money, the fact that they didn't have a lot of money mm-hmm. didn't limit their possibilities. It opened them up. So they were able to take a lot of the cliches of zombie movies and Mad Max type films and just turn them on their head.
0: I cannot wait for the new Mad Max to be out on Blu-ray. I can't. I right. can't. I want to watch it like three more times <laughs> in a row. I want to just just put it on a loop. Just <laughs> re- sit and just get get like a a trough of food. Yes. Uh, get myself like a catheter, and some kind of colostomy bag, and I will just camp out in front of the television, and uh, I will just stew in my own juices for like a week and a half, and just watch Ew. that movie on a constant loop. Ew. That's what I'm gonna do. Colostomy bag, catheter. Trough of food, you cray cray. I need nothing. Putting on an IV. Forget the trough of food. IV. You
1: cray cray. Hook,
0: hook me up to a, a machine and just let me watch that movie on a loop. Main mainline it right into my brain. That's all I want. Uh, the Last Survivors. As long as Mark is talking about the uh, Mad maxi kind of a thing, uh, Last Survivors is not bad actually for for that kind of a, a of a post apocalypticy kind of a deal. Um, good action, well done Uh, not bad Uh, Haley Lou Richardson, Boo Boo Stewart and Max Charles are the top liners here, none of them are people I have ever heard of, I've never heard of any single one of them, not at all anyway, this was, uh, I I don't believe that this actually got a uh, a proper release, but anyway this is uh, kind of in a a post-apocalyptic-y post-drought society and, uh, you know, few people hanging around and not enough water to feed everybody. And water is the thing that has sort of, uh, you know, destroyed the world, the, the lack of it thereof. Anyway, um, and, you know, we get into a, We get into a, the usual uh, post-apocalyptic survival mode, but it's not bad. Um, it's really not bad. It's pretty well done. And uh, Tom Hammack is the guy who directed it, another guy with a real future. I think some good chops there, so... There it is. All right, Mark, that is our show for the week. That's the show. That's the show For the week. week. So go ahead and send us uh, emails and your box boxes at gods at digigods.com. Seriously, like Mark said, you can you can send us a box box just by doing nothing in particular, just walking down the street, do a voice memo and zap that thing over to us and you will become part of our show. We want to make you famous. And we also need things to occupy time during the show, so that it's not just the two of us, you know, yapping and kvetching at each other. Really, mostly you yapping. It's is mostly me.